Hello and welcome to Box Office Receipts. I'm your host, Tyler Callahan, and Disney just gave theaters what could be the ultimate betrayal with Mulan. Let's get into it. Now, this story could have gotten either section, but I feel the move is big enough that it affects Hollywood and therefore goes into the pipeline. Disney had their quarterly earnings, and during it, dropped the bomb. Mulan was heading to Disney+. Plus. That's right. Mulan, one of the two big movies supposed to bring back theaters, will be doing it in a part-time position as it will be launching on September 4th on Disney Plus as a premiere access. For countries that do not have Disney Plus, they will still release it in theaters when those reopen. Since it is a premium access, aka premium VOD, it will cost $30. Now that is a bit higher than other premium VOD rentals. Well, that's because it's not really a rental, but a purchase tied to your Disney Plus account. For $30, you get the movie in 4K, and you can watch it as many times as you want, and even download it for offline viewing on a Disney Plus app. Okay, with that news out of the way, holy shit. Damned Disney 2 theaters dirty. So let's break it down. For Disney, this is a smart move. With them now building out the subscription platform to handle purchases, they can add more movies as a premium access. Right now, Disney CEO Bob Chappick says that this is a one-time thing for now and is not indicative of a new business model, but yeah, it is. Look, you do not spend time and money upgrading the service to handle purchases for movies and then only use it once. The infrastructure is there now there. Who's to say if America doesn't have their shit together by November, Black Widow doesn't end up there? The model is interesting though because you have to keep you keep the movie as long as you keep the subscription, unlike iTunes or Vudu where you have a free account with them. Now I do not think they'll use this for most movies, but for this year I could see Black Widow and Soul end up on it. I could also see a future where it becomes an extra step in the distribution where it would go to theaters first, then premiere access on Disney Plus, then to everyone on Disney Plus and VOD and then Blu-ray. So yes, overall this is a smart move because if they make a good amount back, it shows that with the right budget, this model works. But it does hurt theaters, even though they can't say much. Theaters cannot and will not say anything bad to Disney about this because if that happens, Disney could shut them out of their movies. And AMC is being annoying here with their CEO saying this is okay because they're under duress and need to monetize their slate. And while he's right in saying that, I'm not saying Disney can't do that, they should, um, he can fuck off. They went to war on Universal over fucking trolls and then made a sweet deal for themselves. So for new movies uh, to welcome back theaters, it'll be Tenant carrying the load. Disney is offering thanks to Fox, The New Mutants, and barring the last minute delay, The King's Man in mid-September. We'll have to wait and see if audiences come out to watch them. The other big story this week is the end of the Paramount Consent Degree in the United States. The Department of Justice has viewed the degree as having outlived its usefulness and should be removed. In court this week, Judge Anels Torres agreed and ruled that it should be removed, citing that the defendants, here being movie studios, would most likely not collude again to limit film distribution. Now, this is not going to affect immediately, but at the end of the sunset period two years from now, so sometime in 2022. With this gone, theaters can basically be at the will of studios or be bought out completely. First, there is a block booking where studios would package movies together and theaters can take all or none. For example, last year, let's take Universal. They could have had a package where you get Hobbs and Shaw and Good Boys, but also included as Cats. Theaters that take the package would get two popular and profitable movies, while having to reserve some screens for the bomb that would be Cats. If block booking was to come back, the theaters would be okay, because 
they basically show about most movies for one to two weeks, not more. But the small indie theaters with four or five screens, they would be a much harder pill to swallow. Besides that, this does open the path for theaters to be bought by studios. Now, assuming it passes an antitrust investigation, Amazon could buy Regal or AMC, for example. Comcast Universal could buy Cinemark or smaller indie theaters around the country and start a chain of Universal Cinemas. This, on one hand, makes sense as theaters need help to stay relevant, but what if studios get greedy and only show their movies? For example, you have one theater by you and Universal buys it and makes a Universal Cinema. Now, you have only movie options, maybe from that studio from them, and not Warner Brothers or Disney, and now you have to drive another 30 minutes or an hour to do so. I'm not saying this will happen uh, in two years when Sunset Period ends, but overall in the next decade of Hollywood entertainment and tech, I would not be surprised if a lot of smaller theaters got bought. Big ones like AMC and Regal are owned by international theater chains, some of the biggest in the world, so, Either those companies get bought, or those big companies spin off AMC and Regal and sell them. Otherwise, they're going to be fine. They're not at risk of being bought. It really is the smaller theater chains, the mom-and-pop ones throughout the country. Talking about some box office numbers, let's talk about China. Overall, for the third full weekend, the Chinese box office made $17.3 million. While it's not a lot yet, it is slowly increasing more and more as theaters reopen. What the top movies were for the weekend were The Interstellar re-release and 1917. Doolittle, on the other hand, is now the highest grossing movie in China for 2020, with $16.2 million. Next week, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone in 4K opens in China, and pre-sales are already over $1 million. Finally, for China, Tenet actually did get approved without any cuts is now set for a release September 4th. In other box office numbers, South Korea is still the territory with the most momentum, as their newest big film to be released, Deliver Us From Evil, is doing just slightly better than Peninsula. From its Wednesday opening to end of the weekend, it has made 14 million. So with two local hits, Korea is showing that having successful movies, at least at launch, can happen. We will need to keep an eye on these movies and see if the likes can hold on them. But overall, great news. Moving to movies being developed, Ben Affleck has picked his next movie to direct. Deadline is exclusively reporting that Affleck has agreed to write and direct a movie, which will be in an adaptation of the book The Big Goodbye, Chinatown, and the last years of Hollywood. The movie is currently being developed by Paramount, and the book goes into the behind-the-scenes of how Chinatown was made, which is one of the most iconic movies in film history and for Paramount. On paper, this seems like a great pitch. Affleck is a great director, and movies about film history can be really good. The key issue here is Roman Polanski and how would he be portrayed. Portrayed, sorry. Tarantino was able to get around it once upon a time in Hollywood because it was a small role, but this is the director of Chinatown, so you would assume he would have a more prominent role. Besides that, if Netflix doesn't sell this to Netflix, then uh, this can be an award contender on their hands. Speaking of another Paramount movie, kinda, we have an update on Martin Scorsese's next movie, Killers of the Flower Moon, which is now looking to start filming in Oklahoma in February 2021. If that happens, we are looking at filming to be finished by summer 2021, and the movie would come out toward the end of the 2022 uh, for award season. Lionsgate gave an update on John Wick franchise and announced that not only is John Wick 5 greenlit, it will be filmed back-to-back -back with John Wick 4. With this, the current plan is to film John Wick 4 and 5 early next year, after Keanu Reeves is done filming The Matrix 4, and John Wick 4 comes out Memorial Day weekend 2022. There's currently no set date for John Wick 5, but if there's no delays, I could see Memorial Day weekend 2023 as a solid date. I'm not surprised we're getting a fifth one. I just hope now, since they are writing the scripts back-to-back, -back, the story will be fantastic all the way through, and the franchise does not start to overstay its welcome.
Okay, everybody, VOD Premium, we are going to talk about Harry Potter and how HBO Max keeps shooting itself in the foot. So it has been known for a few weeks now that Harry Potter being added to HBO Max at the last minute before launch was a temporary stopgap as Universal still had to t- TV rights for the movies, including digital, and that the movies would leave at the end of August. Well, now Universal has announced that coming in October, all eight Harry Potter movies will be coming to their Peacock streaming service and will also be available on the ad-supported free tier. For now, this looks to be a long-term home of the Harry Potter movies as Universal has the rights until 2025. So, first for Peacock, this is great. They have a lot of TV content, but they need to boost the movies to have available on the service, especially with the library Universal has. So to maximize the rights to movies they do have, Putting Harry Potter available on a free tier is a smart move. People will make an account uh, just to sign up and watch them, uh, which will look good for their engagement come quarterly earnings time. And if some of them sign up for a paid tier after, then even better. Get that engagement and turn around. So overall, good news for them. For HBO Max and Warner Brothers, on the other hand, uh, what the fuck? I think at this point, it is clear AT&T rushed us out the door. The way movies are coming in and out of the service, it makes them look like they don't know what they are doing. Like, DUI is nice to look at, but what is a good interface without some key content? Oh, and so far, two months into the service, still no 4K at all. In fact, I may just do a special box office receipts on HBO Max and what they can do better, because look, I want them to succeed. Content-wise, I love Warner Brothers, yet I'm seeing mistake after mistake, and it's, it's annoying. It does feel like, at this point, AT&T needs to let Warner Media do their thing, because forcing this out of the way is not in great shape. It's not bad, but it could be a lot better. For the final story, we got an update on the Viacom CBS streaming service that is set to launch next year. It still does not have a name yet, but the launch will be in early 2021, and not only in America, but in other countries as well, including Australia and countries in Latin America and the Nordics. For those areas, the service will replace the current service available. For example, in Australia, CBS All Access will become this new service. In Latin America, where they have Paramount+, Plus, this will also be turned into the new service. As for what the service will have, it will be headlined by Showtime and CBS All Access content, and supporting it will be selections from CBS, Comedy Central, MTV, Nickelodeon, and some Paramount films. So initial thoughts on this is it's mostly what I expected. I was hoping for them to say say more of Paramount's content would be included, but that goes into the main issue that the service will face, and it's similar to Warner Brothers, and that is licensing deals. There are deals already in place for international rights for Paramount movies and CBS shows that need to be either worked on or worked around. For example, there may be a Paramount movie that will be in a service in America, in Australia, but on Latin America. Also, the key Star Trek shows. What happens to them? Netflix has the international rights for Discovery, and Amazon has Picard, and I doubt they feel like breaking those contracts anytime soon. Also, for America, the plan was not clear. Does the service overtake CBS All Access, or does it live beside it for now? These are questions that have to be answered, but I will say Viacom can get ahead of this. If they stay open with what's available in what country and when they come and go, like Netflix is, I think there'd be a lot less criticism from customers as they will know ahead of time before they sign up. And that'll be it for this week's episode of Box Office Seats. Uh, my question this week is is would you spend $30 on Mulan? Uh, that's the main question. Would you, uh, if you are a Disney Plus subscriber, are you interested in spending 30 bucks? You can watch it as many times as you want, 4K. Uh, please let me know. Uh, link to the Facebook page is in the show notes. Look forward to hearing from it. Otherwise, thank you for listening, and see you next time.